Hello and welcome to the Intake Create podcast, a podcast helping content creators think differently about productivity, creativity, business, and more. I'm the host and creator of Intake Create, Anthony, and you can connect with me on Twitter at intake underscore Anthony to keep up with a ton more content creator tips, advice, and experiments. Last time you heard this voice in your ears, I was talking about how to actually get started as a content creator and the different areas of value that a lot of beginning creators look over. This time, I'm going to be talking about what platform to actually create your content for, how to think about these different platforms, and at the end we're going to have a little bit of discussion about platform risk on the back of this OnlyFans news debacle that's been going on for the last little bit. So let's get right into it and figure out which platform you're going to start creating for. So first, I'm going to take a little bit of a high vantage point and take a top-down look at some of these different bigger social medias and different platforms and just talk about what content actually works on them well. So first, the one that I'm the most active on, Twitter. Twitter has been the first time that I'm really getting some traction on one of these platforms, and it just seems like a natural fit that I kind of overlooked for a long time. For a long time, I thought in order to get ahead on Twitter or get any traction on Twitter, you had to be either hilarious or hateful or completely original. The very opposite is true. Getting ahead on Twitter is more about providing value to people connecting with people one-on-one, writing efficiently. It's really just a copywriter's dream is to learn how to write a snappy tweet. The thing with Twitter, I before I joined Twitter, I was just writing. I was just a writer. I was writing blog posts, and I was trying Instagram. I was trying really hard to get anywheres on Instagram, and it wasn't working. I felt like there was no traction. I never felt the initiative or the motivation to actually really dig in on Instagram. It just sort of seemed hopeless. But Twitter, as soon as I jumped over to Twitter, I realized that it was a perfect match for the way that I actually write. So if you write in bits, if you have a lot of fragments that come out of your writing, if you want to learn more about things and share what you learn, if you want to build something and build it in public, that's a huge thing on Twitter. Twitter is a really, really powerful platform to create on if you learn the Twitter style. Now that goes for every one of these platforms we talk about, but Twitter has a very specific style that it tends to like in its writing. Second, another big one, probably one of the biggest, is YouTube. 
Now, if you want to create content on YouTube, you probably already know that. There's not too many alternatives for video content like that, especially longer form video content. Now, YouTube is... Out of all of these platforms, YouTube is probably the most work. It can surprise a lot of people how long it actually takes to generate some traction on YouTube. Any famous YouTuber that you follow or like or listen to or watch, it took them quite a long time to actually get anywhere. And seeing their engagement charts, these little graphs that you get in their analytics, they are never a straight line up and to the right. It's always plateau, 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 flat, 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 spike. And just all of a sudden they spike, and hopefully they can catch that spike and ride it a little bit. There's nothing linear about YouTube growth as far as analytics go. Where the linear growth for YouTube comes in is actually in the skills you build while making your videos. Because I really think that making YouTube videos is the ultimate creator skill builder. You're brainstorming constantly, you're writing scripts or at least writing outlines for the videos you want to do, you're using your charisma and personality on camera, which is an entirely different skill set, you're editing your videos potentially, you're hiring someone else, maybe you're even managing a small team to do your videos, Whatever it is, every aspect of YouTube is an incredible value to just your skill building and your creative muscles. Now, not every creator has the patience or the tolerance for the YouTube game. If you want to get started on YouTube, I absolutely think you should, but it takes quite a bit of patience and a very strong mental framework to perform well. Now I said there wasn't many alternatives for YouTube. The only one that I can really think of for video content is this new kid on the block, TikTok. Now TikTok is an entirely new phenomena as far as content creators go, and it seems to be one of the most impressive turnarounds for monetizing creators and incentivizing creators and just the amount of content being made on TikTok is absolutely insane and honestly I never quite expected it but they took this Vine format of short snappy videos and just exploded it. Now if you've been trying to make content for a long time chances are you're going to find TikTok intimidating and very, very difficult. The in-app editor is quite the learning curve, especially if you're coming from any traditional video editors. For anything I do on YouTube or even this podcast, I actually use Sony Vegas to edit it. And I tried a few TikToks in my time, and the editor on the app is powerful, can do a lot, but it's super hard to learn coming from those professional tools. But I think this is part of the key for TikTok. It actually benefits people who aren't, quote, content creators. And it 
benefits people who are just people. You know, these story time videos, these, it's a selfie format, which most content creators feel like they're above. It's trends that come in and out of fashion, come in and out of style. It's humor. It's different kinds of humor. It's visual comedy. It's comedic timing. It's telling a story in a minute without getting lost in your points. It's really, really intense creative work. And that's all before we get to the algorithm. The discovery algorithm on TikTok is unlike any other platform. No platform gives a brand new creator the chance to be seen as much as TikTok does. My wife actually messes around with TikTok more than I do. She posts the odd TikTok of some of our cats or some of the kids, and it's remarkable how one video can get posted and literally go nowhere. Zero sitting there. That's familiar to me coming from trying YouTube for so long. But then a second one, just for no reason within an hour, it can have 700 views. Just because. Just because. And now, I, it's hard to know whether or not any of these numbers are inflated. But something tells me that they're at least close. And it, I, you can't quite crack the code of the algorithm of what makes it successful, what makes it not successful. Those are all the secrets that TikTok holds pretty closely. But you can't deny the absolute power of that For You page. When you open up the app, you're not looking at people you know. You're not looking at people you follow. You're looking at what the app thinks you would enjoy outside of who you follow, most part. So TikTok incredible for brand new creators, difficult for old creators. The trends move so fast that it can be hard to keep up, but if you're really locked in on it, it can go well. I typically stay away from TikTok because if I open the app, I know I'm going to watch TikToks for about an hour, and it just brings my productivity down to the floor. So really, I just don't open the app all that much. But the creation is very interesting to me, and I do want to lean into it at some point. Another one I mentioned it a little bit earlier, Instagram. I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram. So really, I, ref I think of Instagram like the OG for influencer careers. Now, I know YouTube careers was around first, but Instagram actually made it mainstream. It made it cool instead of doing it first. You could make a living off of posting on Instagram, and that is just common now. Where before that, you could make a living as a YouTuber, but that was just seen as weird. Instagram made it normal, made it possible, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. Instagram, to me, seems like it's the most involved platform to where there's so much on it where you can do feed posts which are mostly square images now you can do a few more shapes and formats there's stories which are vertical formats there's reels which are tiktok style videos there's instagram tv for longer form videos it's super super involved 
and it also has that notion, the same as Twitter, where the one-to-one connections end up being very important for your growth. Instagram is like that too, almost even more. And Instagram is, I, f- I feel Instagram is the best if you already have a bit of an audience and you're bringing them to your Instagram or linking to your Instagram from somewhere else. I find it very difficult, or I haven't cracked the code at least, on building an Instagram from zero to go up. Maybe that needs a little bit more effort from me. Maybe all the changes to Instagram have left me kind of outdated in my understanding. I'm not sure. But, uh, while it's the hardest one to really get your wedge in and leverage, it certainly has the highest returns of any of these platforms. The deals you can strike on Instagram, if you do it right, are, or can be, incredible. But that takes some real savvy negotiating skills at times, or the right manager or team. But the ones who do it well, do it incredibly well, and they're fantastic creators to watch grow. So let's talk about some others. I'm not going to go deep into these, but there's Medium for writers, Quora for writers, Snapchat is really still pushing. I don't quite know much about content creation for Snapchat, but it seems like they're always pushing a little bit. And OnlyFans that we're going to talk about in a minute. There's Anchor, which is what I use to make this podcast. If all you want to do is make a podcast, Anchor is an option. There's no discoverability or algorithm getting it out there to people, so you'll have to use another platform. But these things are all possible to make money on. So which one is right for you and your content? I learned this lesson the hard way, but it doesn't actually matter which one you choose. The trick is to pick one of them and really play its game. So right now, I've picked Twitter, and I'm really playing the Twitter game. I'm working hard to generate Twitter content, content for Twitter instead of linking out of Twitter. The same thing can be done on YouTube. Lean in on YouTube and do that as your content. Really play the YouTube game for six, eight, nine months and put the effort in. Same thing for TikTok, same thing for Instagram, same thing on Medium. Just pick the one that seems like a natural fit to you and put the work in. It's a lot easier to build a following on one of them and then kind of transport some of them over. So I can build a bit of a following now on Twitter and then down the road if I want to lean in a little bit more on Instagram It's not impossible to share an Instagram link on Twitter and carry some of those involved or extra engaged followers over and follow me on Instagram. So you can build one up over time and kind of move your audience where you need them. That's a lot easier than trying to build Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok all at the same time and kind of half-assing all of them. But there's a caveat to all of this. At the end of the day, you should be focused on 
extracting your audience out of whatever platform you choose. So by this I mean building an email list, or building a platform of your own, or anywheres where you get to own your audience and directly communicate with them. The obvious choice, and really the only one I can think of, is building an email list. That way, if you have a huge audience on Instagram, and you don't build an email list, theoretically Instagram could change their algorithm, could change their discovery algorithm, and you don't get seen anymore. Nobody that follows you is seeing your content anymore. Maybe because you're not leaning into video content, you're still just doing images. Instagram's not going to show that as much. Then what? You've lost your engagement with the audience. But if you've built an email list, well now you can directly communicate with your audience outside of algorithms. The only enemy you're fighting then is spam filters. So no matter what platform you choose, no matter where you're building your audience at first, your goal should be to extract them out of there, build a personal contact list or an email list, and communicate with them directly off of these platforms. So just to recap that a little bit in case I missed anything, choose one platform that seems like a natural fit. For me, it's Twitter for this short writing format. Build your audience, then build an email list to move them into, and then you're away to the races and you have a lot more opportunities from there. Not to mention monetizing your newsletter itself. And now I want to discuss this OnlyFans situation. I don't have a lot of listeners who are OnlyFans creators, but I have a lot of listeners who would benefit from learning this lesson from OnlyFans. So let's give a little bit of background. OnlyFans, if you're unaware, has been sort of similar to Patreon, where you can pay a creator directly and support their content, get access to their private content. And this OnlyFans absolutely blew up with sex workers. They could post their explicit content behind a paywall and get paid directly from their subscribers, directly from their supporters, to see their content. Very similar to Patreon, but you could do adult content. And these sex workers were responsible for all of the success of OnlyFans. Just point blank, all of OnlyFans' success came from the sex worker industry. And now, about a week ago, OnlyFans came out and announced that they were going to remove adult content from their platform. Now, this sent the internet into a complete meltdown. Suddenly, all of these creators were without a job, without income. A lot of the subscribers actually canceled their subscriptions ahead of the announcement. And the backlash on OnlyFans was astronomical. Now, it's not like they just all of a sudden made this decision to remove adult content. Their hands were forced, for sure. Where the banks that supported them, the credit card payment processors, pretty much, or allegedly, threatened to remove their service. 
And now, if a credit card provider removes their service from OnlyFans, that's the entire service gone. Shut down. We saw this actually happen last year with Pornhub, I believe, where all the credit card providers just pulled support for Pornhub. And that's a major, major portion of their income, like the direct payments to Pornhub. That was gone. And now they're relying solely on advertising, it seems. OnlyFans doesn't use any advertising, so that model isn't there for them. They only have these direct payments. If they, they were threatened, and if they lose that from these credit card providers, they lose their platform entirely. So you can sort of see where that decision came down from. It was overhead pressure from their banks and credit card providers. And now, today actually, right before I came to record this bit, they announced that they're stepping back, rolling back from that decision. They got assurance from their bank providers, but their wording was a little bit vague. They said they're going to suspend that policy change. That is not canceling the policy change. That means it's probably still going to happen down the line, especially if the banks put on a little bit more pressure. If a bad news article comes out about OnlyFans, especially alleging some child pornography allegations, this is that's what happened with Pornhub. If a similar big-style article kind of goes after OnlyFans, that policy is going to happen. I can almost guarantee seeing that happen. So what's the lesson here? The lesson here is platform risk. If you put all your eggs in one basket and build your audience on one platform, solely on one platform, you're at the whim of that platform. So OnlyFans, there were some creators on there with massive followings, but they didn't have an email list, they didn't have them anywhere outside of OnlyFans. If they lost OnlyFans, that's it, they have no more audience left. They could start over, start somewhere else, and their name alone could build an audience, but they don't get to carry their audience with them. We see the same thing happen on Twitter constantly. The most famous example, I guess, to use for this is actually Donald Trump last year got banned off of Twitter. For good reasons, you know, I'm not going into the politics of that back and forth. But if someone the level of the United States president can get banned off of Twitter, that can happen to any single content creator. A more pressing example that might actually resonate with some of my listeners was actually Jack Butcher earlier this year. He does this incredible artwork for uh, Visualized Value is the brand name. And he has the Visualized Value Twitter account and his Jack Butcher Twitter account and the Jack Butcher one, it was a lot of, like, one-liners and, like, pithy tweets, like, really powerful lessons packed into a sentence or make you think. That kind of, the whole, like, Twitter thing. And then on the visualized value, he would create really simplistic artwork to represent it. And incredibly popular, incredibly powerful. He's a guru of building personal brands, really. But his accounts, his second accounts got banned earlier this year due to creating duplicate content, I guess, was the reason from Twitter. This is platform risk happening. It's since been undone, and he could capture some of that and fix it. But 
any creator can lose their platform at any time. Same thing has happened on Patreon before where they make a policy change and stop supporting creators, certain creators. There's always going to be backlash for this, but these things are going to happen. The lesson is own your audience and build your email list. Build your contact list so you can carry your audience to every project you do, to every platform you go to, to every idea you have or message you want to express. An email list is the only way to avoid your platform risk. I'll be very interested to watch what happens with OnlyFans going forwards, and I think a lot of content creators learned a pretty valuable lesson. But that's about all I've got for the show today. I hope that gave you some direction or at least something to chew on and think about. I'll be back in two weeks with another audio Intake Create podcast. In the meantime, you can go to IntakeCreate.com to read any articles I have there on content creation and productivity, and you can sign up to our newsletter, Creator's Notes, that I send out. Uh, It'll come out the next Monday in between episodes of the podcast. And it sort of rounds up some creator economy news, some productivity tips, some mental frameworks and models, that, uh, and some success stories that I found from the creator-verse. <laughs> the creator economy. The creator bubble. And sign up for that. You can, <laughs> you can go to intakecreate.com and click on newsletter. Thank you for listening. Go create something and make an email list. Thank you.